Good morning. How's everybody today? We've almost, I think we're expecting a full house COVID style anyway, whatever that means under COVID. The fire marshal shows up, just leave by the exits in case we're over the headcount. But uh, good morning, everybody. Let's uh, stand together and worship and sing. Our God and our Father, bless this occasion. Bless each one present and be with us this day. We look forward to hearing your word, and may each one of us get the portion that we need, whether it be questions answered or troubles shared, burdens that uh, you, only you can remove. Whatever our condition might be, you can meet us in the state we're in, and you can lift us up higher than any other power known to man. And we thank you for this great blessing that we can avail ourselves of for a country that allows us to meet in this way. And Holy Spirit, we just step aside and make way for you to move freely among us and be the power in us as we respond together. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> Don't let the intro fool you. How do you follow that? (laughs) 
Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful, where your streams of abundance flow. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in the desert place, though I walk through the wilderness. Blessed be your name. As I was giving some thought to serving today and just the, the moment we often take for confession or reflection, I, I was thinking about the last song and the thought of Jesus' name. Um, and my mind went to Philippians 2 where we read uh, fairly recently. And the, the portion of that scripture, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And as I was, I was looking into it, I've, and I don't worry, I'm not going to do them all, but I found a really interesting piece on a hundred, a hundred names. struck me that you know we know him as Jesus but if, if you look through that list he has a name to suit whatever state we're in whether it's healer advocate door 
light of the world, our rock, savior, teacher. I am the way, the true vine. Whatever our state, whatever our need is, there's a name that fits. He's that complete. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. Let us just take a moment to think about these many, many names and what they can and will mean to us as we reach out to him and call him by the name that we need. At whichever time and whichever state we're in, let's think about that name, that wonderful fool.
love for us. Thank you that in your great mercy you did not leave us in our distress, in our trial, in our tribulation, but you have come among us that we might be restored, we might be rescued. And all the names in the universe that would appropriately be attached to you, the one we most love and cherish his friend. Thank you for extending your friendship to us, O oh God. Our, our rescuer, our hero, the, the one who is above all names. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation to come and worship together. Thank you for the, uh, the opportunities that we have, even in the midst of a pandemic here in this province. We can come together, 70 plus of us or so in this room, and we will worship you. And, and another whatever number online can, can join together in worshiping you. This is the delight of our hearts. It's the renewal of our hope. It's the strengthening of our resolve to represent you, oh God. We lay before you the challenges that are present in our world, certainly this pandemic, longing that it would be resolved completely, longing that our freedoms would be fully and, 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 and utterly restored, longing that those who have lost someone through this would be comforted, longing that uh, those who are ill would be made well, and longing that the the many other things that are going on in the midst of this would be attended to, whether it's completely unrelated medical challenges or, or the economic stresses that we're experiencing as a province, as a nation, and as a world. Lord, thank you for your nearness to us in the midst of trial, in the midst of tribulation. Thank you for your Thank you for the assurance that you have your hand in all of these things. And the day is coming when you're going to return and you're going to call each and every one who names you to yourself. The lion will lie down with the lamb and, and we will know the intimacy of your presence face to face. We will be fully known in that day and in that hour and for eternity. And until that time, we keep looking to you, longing that we would be found faithful, that we would walk with you and represent you in the way that is appropriate for you to be walked with and represented. Pray that you continue to bring, receive the worship that we've brought, whether it's in song, through the, the giving of tithes and offerings, 
that the work of your church would be sustained and advanced. And now I pray that you would stir among us through the, the worship that we bring by giving our full attention to your word, desiring that we would be faithful, watchful, attentive. Holy Spirit, come be our teacher. Enliven your word to us and move us in action. We ask all of this in the precious and powerful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and all of his people said, amen. Amen. And you may be seated if you're in person or at home. Thank you, R.E.M. They feel fine. I'm not sure if they know why, but um, we've been following Jesus' words concerning the end of the world over these uh, past uh, two Sundays. This is the third now. Uh, we're, we've been following his words that are spoken in Matthew chapter 24. Uh, it was Tuesday of Jesus' final week on earth. In just a few days, Good Friday would come and his death, uh, his execution would transpire. And it was on the way out of the temple grounds and across the Kidron Valley that his disciples commented on the spectacle of the Jewish temple. And Jesus prophesied, he foretold, that uh, it was going to be destroyed. And understandably, the, the disciples say, well, when? And so he takes them just across the Kidron Valley onto the slopes of the Mount of Olives where they could sit and they could look across the valley at the temple mount. And he sat down with them and he taught them. Uh, we refer to this as the fifth discourse or the Olivet Discourse. Matthew's preserved kind of five sermons for us in his gospel and this is the, the fifth of those. When is this gonna happen? And Jesus warned them that there will be tricks and fears, haters and falls. Life, in other words, is gonna be messy, uh, but the mission would succeed. The good news of Jesus, the gospel, would be preached to the whole world, Jesus said back in verse 14. And then last Sunday, we continued to track with the teaching of Jesus here as he zooms in on a period of what he describes as great distress, verse 21. Jesus talked about the events that had been foretold in the Old Testament by the Old Testament prophet Daniel, that previously they had understood to have been fulfilled in like 160 years before Jesus' birth. A.D. 167, uh, the destruction of Jerusalem by Antiochus Epiphanes, a Greek ruler from Syria. Well, Jesus then is, is talking about this happening again. And indeed, 40 years after he spoke those words, it did happen again. General Titus and the Roman army came into Jerusalem utterly destroyed Jerusalem and the temple again, and, and once again, uh, worship of a foreign god in the, in the Holy of Holies, where God Almighty alone was to be worshipped. The abomination of desolation. We're adding to our vocabulary these days. Abomination of desolation. That kind of leads us into where Jesus then goes next I'm in Matthew chapter 24, verse 29. I'm in the New International Version. If you're looking it up digitally, it will be on the screen. But let me, let me read this for you in, in its entirety. This is the word of the Lord. Immediately after the distress of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that the summer is near. Even so, 
When you see all these things, you know that it is near, right at the door. Truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days after the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in the field, one will be taken and the other left. Two women will be grinding with a hand mill, one will be taken and the other left. Therefore keep watch because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. It's the word of the Lord to us. May he help us understand it, live it out, anticipate it rightly. So to ensure that we're tracking with the words of Jesus, just really honestly, I've kind of I've singled out four phrases that he spoke. Each phrase kind of identifies a paragraph in the text and ultimately lead to, to this big idea. Watch out for Jesus. Watch for Jesus. He is coming for his church. Okay? Uh, watch for Jesus. He's coming for his church. Uh, let me just give you the four phrases. It, it is the outline in the sermon notes. If you want to download them from our website or on the OEC app, um, you can have them right in front of you. But phrase number one out of verse 29, after the distress of those days. Second phrase, the sign of the Son of Man, verse 30 and 31. Third phrase, the lesson from the fig tree, verse 32. And then the fourth phrase, the day and the hour. So we're just going to unpack the ideas around those and try to better understand what is it that Jesus is saying here about the end of days. And then what are we supposed to do about it? How are we supposed to respond uh, in light of uh, the assurances and the encouragements and the warnings that Jesus issues? So verse 29, after the distress, immediately after the distress of those days. So we'll just stop there for a moment and say, okay, which days are Jesus referring to? Uh, there are a couple of options here. Um, he could be referring to the entire package of days, verse 4 through 28. In other words, all the events of the end times together, after the events of all of those days. Or Jesus might be referring specifically to the fall of Jerusalem, the events of those days, that abomination of desolation. Immediately after the distress, uh, some of your translations will say tribulation, immediately after the tribulation of those days. So, so the word distress, euthos in the Greek, um, tribulation, let me, so I'm gonna pull out my tribulation block here uh, as a bit of a visual aid for us this morning. Some of the ideas that we are gonna be tracking with uh, um, are complicated enough that I think maybe it's helpful just to have a little something visual in front of us. In fact, I, I've recruited a couple of famous actors to join me this morning. This, this is Biscuit. Um, he has starred in many family theatrical productions over the years. Um, he, um, uh, he's had leading roles in a family film that we made uh, once upon a time as well. So I knew I could trust him to kind of be a, an effective uh, actor. Um, he is going to play the role of the, the Son of Man or, or Jesus. Okay, so that's, that's Biscuit. Um, and then here's Tabby. Uh, Tabby also has played in many of these same productions as a very famous actor. Um, and, and we'll bring Tabby out again in a couple of minutes. But Tabby is going to play the role of uh, the, the Antichrist, or the man of lawlessness. Now, now Tabby was very concerned that, that he not be typecast uh, as an evil villain. Uh, I, told, I told him there, there are actually many great actors who have made a good career out of being the villain. So, so anyway, we'll see how, how that sits for Tabby. So immediately after the stress of these days, or the tribulation of these days, um, The sun will be darkened and the moon will not, give, will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. 
Now there's some conversation that goes on about whether the cosmic shaking that's being described here is intended to be understood literally or is it supposed to be understood metaphorically? Um, so, so my take is that the rumors and wars, uh, the uh, persecution, the false prophets that Jesus has been talking about, uh, the gathering of the elect, um, I would understand all of those to be literal. So I'm thinking that the shaking of the heavens is also intended to be literal as well. After the, the distress of those days, the sun will be dark and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the sky. The heavenly bodies will be shaken. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. So, so the sign of the coming of the Son of Man, you'll notice that Jesus is using temporal language here. He's using language that, that describes time immediately after the distress of those days. Then will appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. So to help us out again, I'm gonna pull out my rapture block here and we'll put it right there. Uh, because Jesus, so, so rapture is a, a word that means taken up. Uh, we, we actually see those words down in verse 40 and 41. Uh, one will be taken, uh, the other will be left. Okay, so, so that's where we get this word from, that idea of being taken up. Jesus says, all the peoples of the earth will mourn when they see the Son of Man coming in clouds. Most, most scholars believe that that's gonna be a, a grieving, that they've gotten it wrong, that they've misunderstood who Jesus is, but there's a couple of ways we can take it. But he comes in power and glory, and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from uh, all across the heavens. So over the past 2,000 years, and especially over the past 50 years, there's been a lot of conversation, a lot of writing that goes on that talks about the sequence of these events. The reality is, if we, if we put the words of Jesus first, it's not all that complicated. There will be a period of difficulty followed by the coming of the Son of Man. Uh, better put the Son of Man here, Mel Gibson, I mean Jesus, um, <laughs> on that spot. Um, and it says that he's going to come on the clouds, and that sounds kind of interesting. What we really know for sure out of this is that it will be a visual spectacle, and it will be an audible spectacle. And everyone's going to see, and everyone's going to hear, but the primary thing that Jesus wants us to know is back in verse 23, verse 28, um, where he says, don't be deceived by reports of a secret coming. Or the suggestion that, you know, you've got to go someplace special if you actually want to see him. Like lightning that lights up the entire sky, this spectacle of his coming will be unmistakable. Now Jesus has been concerned that the church might get confused on this point. And, and, and I think his concern was warranted. If, if nothing else, the very first letters that the Apostle Paul wrote like in the history of the Apostle Paul writing letters, like the very first letters he wrote were to the church in Thessalonica and included a concern about this very question. Now, Paul had helped start this church that was a port city on the Mediterranean, the city of Thessalonica. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter one, he seems to be answering a question that was articulated by or asked by the church. Uh, they were concerned that members who died before Jesus' second coming might miss out on the rapture, the being taken up to God. And Paul assures them, uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, that's not the case at all. You do not need to be concerned about this. But that didn't seem to sort of settle the questions, the concerns that the church was having. And just a few months later, he writes 2 Thessalonians, second letter to the church in that city, and, and there he addresses what continues to be the concern that they may have, may have missed the rapture entirely. Jesus may have come back, taken the church to be with them, and they'd missed the whole deal. Listen to, the, to Paul's response, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. Concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered to him, we ask you, brothers and sisters, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by the teaching allegedly from us whether by a prophecy or by word of mouth or by letter, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, 
For that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshiped so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. So I'm gonna call Tabby into action here, the man of lawlessness. Uh, and, and he says that the man of lawlessness is gonna come and that's gonna inaugurate this period of particular tribulation, distress. And, and then the Son of Man will come on the clouds and will take the church to be with him. Uh, the end will have come. There seems to be, in the language of Jesus, this anticipation that while there was great tribulation around the destruction of Jerusalem in 167 BC, and again that this would happen and did happen in AD 70, that we can anticipate it again. Now, the witness of Scripture seems to suggest that every generation is going to experience their distress and their tribulation, and yet there will be one that is significant, one that will be the, the, the end of the end, and, and this is when Christ will return. Uh, we're, we're trying to understand, and two of the places that people often go, one of the reasons why I, I really believe it's valuable to go to Jesus' words in Matthew first and, and preeminently foremost is that the people like to go to, to Daniel or they like to go to the book of Revelation in order to sort of ask questions about the end time. Well, the problem with that is that both, like the last half of Daniel is apocalyptic. Uh, most of Revelation is apocalyptic. Well, apocalyptic writing, apocalyptic language uses grand terms, it uses signs and symbols and there is virtually no agreement on, on what the signs and the symbols all mean. So it becomes confusing, and people have come up with this puzzle system to be able to put all the parts and pieces together. Well, if we say, look, Jesus' words are pretty simple. Uh, it, it, there's gonna be distress, and then he's gonna come. Uh, there is going to be one who is particularly evil, and surely in every generation. I, I think of the, our, our Christian friends in Myanmar right now. Uh, where, where government control has taken over, and I think they must be pointing at the military leaders that have led this coup, thinking, he looks an awful lot like the man of lawlessness to me, right? You know, and, and, and virtually every generation has experienced this, and that's not to downplay the one that will come, that will be the end of the end. But what I'm really advocating for here is care, that, that we would be careful. Uh, I, I, get, I get nervous, in fact, I get suspicious of anyone who's got this all nailed down every detail with charts and maps and all the, man, the, the language that Jesus uses, the language Paul uses, when we go to John, he says some things about the Antichrist in 1 John, 2 John, uh, he may be talking about this, I think he's talking about this in Revelation as well, um, and we we're trying to interpret what Daniel says or what the prophet Ezekiel says or Zechariah says, it, it, it's, it's not completely clear. And I think of Jesus needed it for it to be clear. He would have made it clear. But what he's given to us is this jazz music solo that creates a, a feeling, an impression, this, this piece of, of, uh, of, of, of artistry that is, is graphic. And, and, and so we're supposed to listen to the primary piece, which is, is here. And, and that primary concern is that we are to watch and we are to be responsive because Jesus is coming for his church. And he's gonna come after the distress of those days, verse 29, the rapture or the taking up is gonna happen then and the, with the sign of the coming of the Son of Man, verse 30, and, and, and that is Jesus himself coming. And then Jesus tells us in verse 32 that we are to learn the lesson of the fig tree. So we'll call the fig tree, I should have brought a little tree with me. We'll, we'll call it the teaching tree. Uh, and I love the language that Jesus uses here because it's another example in the pages of Scripture where what God created was it created with intentionality because he has something for us to learn through the way he created it. Let, let's read this one, verse 32. Now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs are tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. 
Even so, when you see all these things, you know that it is near right at the door. Now, the first sentence is pretty straightforward. There are literally, like there are two deciduous trees in in Israel. They lose their leaves. Uh, When you see them greening up, you know summer is near at the door. It's actually the next phrase that requires a little bit of thinking and explanation. Verse 34, Jesus says, truly I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Now there's a couple of options in the way we read this. This generation may have referred to the disciples who were sitting around the foot of Jesus on the Mount of Olives. This generation. Uh, in which case, the these things would refer to the destruction of the temple in AD 70 and all of the distress and the crisis that was around it. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things, the destruction of the temple, have happened. Now, if that's the case, then we are in the end times. I'll come back to that in a moment. Or, another way of reading this is, this generation doesn't refer to the disciples who were sitting there, but it refers to all followers of Jesus who will be alive when the, the final tribulation begins, when the man of lawlessness comes. And in which case, he's saying, it will be a generation. Within a generation, this is gonna unfold, and it will be wrapped up. And so the end of the end will, will, will happen in this way. Um, Kind of personally, I'm inclined to the first one, but I totally understand it if you read it the other way. Um, The the first one means that we are in the end times now um, and that we have been for the past 2,000 years. And someone might say, well, um, that doesn't sound very immediate uh, to me. What's taken Jesus so long? And Peter actually addresses that. 2 Peter 3, verse 8. He says, with the Lord, a day is like a 1,000 years and a 1,000 years are like a day. Okay, so God's time is not our time. But he goes on, actually, to explain this. He says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He's patient with you. He's patient with you and you. He's patient because he does not want anyone to perish. And, and, and so we wait, but we're going to kind of have to come back to this. Jesus himself said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So we're just finishing this next part of the sentence we just read. I want you to think about that for a moment. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. That's the kind of language that only God can use, right? Here's Jesus the man sitting on the slopes of the Mount of Olives with his disciples gathered around him and he's referencing his divinity. Now this is a really clear statement concerning who Jesus knew himself to be. It's a good reminder of the conversation we had about three, four weeks ago when we were talking about the Apostle Paul's language that he used as he was writing the church in Philippi and we noted that Jesus' divinity and his humanity must be held together in a healthy tension. We get off track when we overemphasize or underemphasize either of those things. Philippians 2.5, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. Jesus understood who he was. And as he's speaking these warnings, he's looking ahead to what was coming, and he's speaking prophetically, anticipating what is coming, because he wants you to know. He wants you to know, watch. I'm coming back for my church. After the distress of those days, the sign of the coming of the Son of Man will in- initiate uh, the end of the end. He says, learn the lesson from the fig tree, and then he says, the day and the hour are unknown. Verse 36. Let me read it for us. But about that day or hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, up to the day Noah entered the ark. And they knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. That is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. 
Now the amazing point that Jesus is emphasizing here is just how ordinary this is gonna be. Like on the one hand, yeah, wars and rumors of wars, floods, uh, earthquakes, uh, false teachers, false prophets, strict fears, haters, and falls. But the mission will effectively proceed and, and be successful despite the tears but there will be clarity, there will be utter clarity, like lightning flashing across the sky, everyone will know when Jesus returns, but we don't know the day or the hour. Therefore, his church must always be ready. As best we understand it, Jesus is saying, I'm at the door. I'm at the door, my hand's on the doorknob, waiting for the Father to say, go now. Won't that be a day? Go now. Everything is ready, and I'm ready to, to, to put an end to the wars and rumors of wars and all of the distress and the difficulty, all of the, the tribulation that has been a part of every generation and then pre preeminently, supremely at the end. But it's time to call it together. And Paul comforted the Thessalonian believers, saying, look, you haven't missed, you haven't missed it. Second Thessalonians 2 the go now will be the beginning of the end of the end. And Paul said that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed. The man doomed to destruction, he will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. Now if the reference to God's temple is literal, then the beginning of the end, we got a little bit of time because there's a few details in the Middle East that have yet to be sorted out before they can rebuild the Jewish temple on the Temple Mount. So the beginning of the end is gonna require some time. If Jesus' reference to God's temple, he's actually talking about the church because the church has become the temple of God. He dwells in you and I, the hearts of his followers. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The church together is being built into a house and, and this is the place where God resides. Well then, it, it, it's, it's any time. The end of the end comes at any time. He's talking about a coup for the leadership of your heart, for the faithfulness of, of the church, that, that we together would walk in, in agreement, in, in unity, in love for one another, in love for our world, in faithfulness to the mission of Jesus. And then a suitable kind of conclusion to this portion of Jesus' words come from verse 42, therefore keep watch because you do not know what day your Lord will come. Now grammatically, that's the beginning of the next paragraph. It's gonna lead us into next Sunday. In fact, before Jesus finishes the Olivet Discourse, he's gonna tell us three parables. We'll look at one each of the next three Sundays, and each parable emphasizes a different truth that Jesus is calling us to pay attention to, and all of them, individually and collectively, call us to action. They call us to do something about this. But, but, but we don't have to wait until next Sunday to begin doing something about this. Therefore, keep watch. I mean, repeatedly Jesus is calling us to watchfulness through this sermon. Verse 14, I'll read it for you in a moment, was a major motivator for Reverend Albert Benjamin Simpson. A.B. Simpson. He was the founder of the Christian and Missionary Alliance denomination, it was a movement in his day, 140 years ago. He read this, verse 14, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And 140 years ago, like today, people were saying, man, I can't wait for Jesus to come back. That is going to be a great day, the end of wars and rumors of wars and, and, and the end of famines and floods and earthquakes and false teachers and false prophets. And Simpson said, I agree, let's get about the business because the mission needs to be completed before the end is gonna be, is gonna be coming. 
So we better get about this assignment that Jesus has given us, this assignment of taking the gospel, the good news about Jesus, to all the nations of the world. Because of that conviction, Simpson and a few others formed the Christian and Mission Airy Alliance Church. And over the last 140 years, enormous strides have been made. Uh, the, the, the Bible has been translated into many languages, the vernacular of, of hundreds of people groups, and yet there's an enormous amount of work yet to be done. So, so let me kind of call us to two practical things, two practical action steps, as we kind of let this soak a little bit. The first would be pray for global mission. Of our global support team here at Okotoks Alliance, I have renewed the practice of putting prayer requests from our international workers that we support in Everything Okay. So if you've not signed up for our weekly newsletter, it comes out on Thursdays. Uh, just watch for it in there. There'll be a paragraph that's just a prayer request for international workers. Pray concerning what God's doing globally. Um, if, if you're not signed up on the Facebook feed, just Put, your, put the request in there uh, or uh, uh, email admin at okalliance.ca. Um, any of those things, just let us know and we'd be glad to include you. Pray for global mission, but pray for local mission as well. Pray for local mission. Who, who's in your life that needs Jesus? Start with prayer. Start with prayer. Uh, just lifting them before the Father and then consider whether the Holy Spirit is opening a little window of opportunity where you would invite them to the Alpha Course. Just after Easter, maybe they need to wrestle a little bit with who is Jesus and why did Jesus die? And how and why should I pray? And how and why should I read the Bible? And who's the Holy Spirit? And what's the ch about the church? It's, it's like Christianity 101. And it's online. Your friends could be near or they could be far and they could still join us on the Alpha Course. We're, uh, go to the website, you can get a link, uh, sign up there. Uh, Everything Okay every week has a link in it. We've been sending out kind of a special email just for a short window of time uh, that's, that's inviting you to attend Alpha. Starting this week, it will have a, a forwardable uh, invitation that you can send to someone. It's never been easier. We just want to make it super easy for you to be able to invite others. Friends, this is our mission. This is our time. This is why you and I were saved. We were saved so that the greatness of God would be seen in and through us and that we would share the life-altering but eternity-saving message, the hope of Jesus, with anyone and everyone who's willing to listen, especially those we love. We want them to be with us when Christ comes, that that would be a day of great rejoicing for all of us. So much of the world has been put on hold over these past 12 months. Well, I tell you, friends, the mission of Jesus has not been put on hold in any way, shape, or form. And so we're pressing forward with innovations and some creativity so that as far as it's concerning us, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. If you've turned to Jesus... For your rescue, this is your assignment. I'm going to invite the worship team to come, prepare to lead us. When we gather around the Lord's table, the Apostle Paul tells us that we should examine ourselves. Uh, we, we've been working, since reading Paul's letter to the Philippians, we've been working on cultivating a mind that is like Jesus' mind, Right? A humility that is like Jesus, humility, uh, an other-focused orientation to our world, that's, that's mission. That's mission. And the table here reminds us of the extent to which Jesus would go to complete the mission. We come to the table, we are renewing our commitment to his commitment. We are acknowledging that his mission to save us has become our mission in joining him as he would save others. And, and, and if, you'll follow, if you'll follow Jesus this morning, then, then we would begin in self-examination. Maybe just bow with me for a moment.
And we would say something like, Lord Jesus, shine the light of your love and truth into me. And if there is unconfessed sin there that needs to be resolved, help me bring that to you right now. And it may be that, Lord, we we need to seek you for forgiveness, for apathy towards your mission. That, That we have become perhaps less watchful and less prepared and less engaged in the mission you have given to us to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Would you forgive us and then would you stir us that we would begin with prayer for the world and for our friends, our family, our neighbors and renew in us as we anticipate the celebration of this coming Easter Renew in us a a sense of urgency and passion as we seek you for the salvation of the world around us. We thank you that you continue to renew and re-strengthen your church. May it be so in this season right now. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you'll follow me in participating in the following of Jesus, we would take our reminder that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread from the Passover table and he broke it and he said, this is my body given for you. Let's us eat together. And after the meal, he took the cup and he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Pour it out for the forgiveness of sin. Let's us drink in remembrance of him. And friends, we are proclaiming the Lord's death as we share this good news here in this celebration and as we go out from here in invitation because we are a people who are anticipating he's coming again. He's coming for his church and we want the whole world to be ready and responsive. Who's in your world? Let's be intentional about this. Bill, lead us please.
just what you said, my people free from our fears and sins. Jesus, us, let us find our rest in Thee. strength and consolation of all the earth, Thou art the desire of every nation, joy of every loving heart. Come now. something on Facebook, something somewhere else on social media, but just an opportunity to begin conversation that would lead to, would you, would you attend Alpha with me? Would, would stir opportunity for people to respond? We pray for our international workers who have gone out and under great duress during this pandemic have continued to represent you to the people uh, that they have, have agreed uh, to reach. We pray for fruitfulness. We pray for effectiveness. We pray, oh God, that that there would be thousands of people in in their proximity and tens and hundreds of thousands of people around the world uh, this week that would be responding to you, oh God, and that in their response to you, they would find rescue and they would find hope both for this life and for the next. Keep us watchful as your church. Keep us earnest in our response, oh God. And continue to raise up each one of us, one by one, that we would respond and represent you effectively. Grow us, mature us, help us. Ah, Jesus, thank you. We are inviting you to come. Long expected one. And, And we pray that we would even live in the days when that would be finally realized. in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you'd like to talk, check in with me, email me, call me. Uh, If you'd like to pray, our prayer ministry team meets Tuesday morning, 9 till 10. Maybe you want to come and pray with us. 
know how to find us. You know how to find Alpha. Uh, thank you for being here in worship this morning. Uh, thank you for being with us online as well. We are so grateful to be together in these ways during these days. May God meet you according to your need and bless, <clears throat> bless you in your going. I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.